All right, guys, we're in Romans chapter 8. We're, we're in a study of Romans. Last couple of weeks, the last couple of times we've studied together, we've looked at the struggle that you and I have with sin. Does everybody recognize we sin here? And, and have you noticed that even though as a Christian, even though as, you, as a believer, you know that you're doing wrong and you want to stop. If you're a believer, I'll just be honest, the natural inclination of your heart, because it comes from the Holy Spirit within you, is that you want to stop doing wrong. You want to stop, overcome whatever it is that's defeating you. But you notice that's difficult and that's hard. And we talked about that the last couple of weeks. The good that I want to do, I don't do it. That which I don't want to do, I do. Paul's assessment of himself, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of sin? And who does he thank? Jesus Christ, because that deliverance is through Jesus Christ. Now, that was Romans chapter 7. We're going to get into Romans chapter 8 now. And as we get into Romans chapter 8, I I want you to remember Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 8 is not going to make any sense to you unless you understand Romans chapter 7. First of all, when 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 the scripture was written, when these letters were written, they weren't written with chapter and, and verse notations. That didn't take place until about a 1,300 years later. All right? And that's very helpful to us. But the, the problem with it is, while it's helpful, it can also be a hindrance to you because you can think, okay, I'm in chapter 8. It's a whole new discussion now. No, he's going to continue his discussion. And he's going to start off with a very powerful statement for you and I, especially in light of the reality that we all struggle with what? Sin. That the good I want to do, I don't do. That which I don't want to do, you know, and Paul's assessment is, is that I see a principle and that with my mind I serve Christ, but with my body, which is trained in sin, I serve what? Sin. All right? So let's look together. We're going to talk about the Spirit's empowerment today. Let's look together, first of all, the law of the Spirit, verses 1 through 11. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who raised Christ, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Okay, so let's let's talk about the spirit's empowerment. First thing I want you to notice is the issue of deliverance. Look with me, verse 1. Here's what he's saying. I think it's powerful. Think about what he's saying there. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just stop for a moment. On its own, I hear people all the time quoting that. On its own, that sounds wonderful and great, right? But you got to consider it in the context of what he's talking about. What's the context of what he's talking about? Chapter 7. All right, so let's back up. Here's the point. At this present time... There is no condemnation for believers concerning their sin. You and I need to grasp that reality. Okay, let's back up to 7 a minute. Chapter 7. When you look at the things that you do that you know you don't want to do, how do you feel? Bad? Lousy? Guilty? Shame? All right. Uh, defeated? Helpless? Worthless? I mean, we could go on and on, okay, with all kinds of adjectives to describe how you're feeling. And the struggle is, is like, I'll never overcome this. I'll never be anything for Jesus. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. Right? Here's what Paul's saying. Remember, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Does that sound like what we're talking about here? Oh, wretched man that I am. Because we, we consider ourselves, oh, wretched man. Who can deliver me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God. Through Christ Jesus. What what does it mean through Christ Jesus? Through his sacrifice for me. So now he's saying, you know, with my mind, I serve the law of God, but with my body, I serve the law of sin. But here he comes. There is no condemnation to you and I. That's a wonderful thing. You and I need to grasp that. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have committed your life to him, if you've made a decision to follow him, ask him into your life, whatever you want to say. If you've experienced salvation, yes, you're going to struggle with sin. Yes, the battle is real. But there's no condemnation. Now, let's just stop for a moment. Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense based upon everything that we've studied so far in the book of Romans? Doesn't it make sense? How does that make sense, George? Think about it. How do you get salvation? Through Jesus. Is it anything that you do to gain salvation? No, no, you can't do anything for your salvation. Jesus did it all for you. Do you you understand what I'm saying? He paid the price for you. So your salvation comes because you have faith in what he did for you, right? So if he gives you forgiveness, if he gives you a new relationship with Christ, if he makes you a new person, he gives you the ability to say no to sin. Doesn't it make sense that in Christ... There's no more condemnation. Did you know what I'm saying? This is why this is so powerful, isn't it? Because we struggle. And some of it, let's be honest, some of us, we, we don't even go to prayer because we're so sheepish about the, the, the stuff we've done. Because we're, we're concerned about how God sees us. Folks, you want to, you want to, you're concerned about how God sees you? Read verse 1 of chapter 8. He's not condemning you anymore. He's not condemning you anymore. In fact, this is for those who walk according to the Spirit, 
not according to the flesh or the body. What do you mean walking to, according to the spirit? Remember what Paul said earlier. Go, go back, chapter 7, look at verse 25. So then, with my mind, I serve the what? The law of God. But with my flesh, the law of sin. Now here's the point. I want everybody to understand me. Does God expect, first of all, does God expect perfection from you? Alright, so everybody, everybody agree with that, right? So how do we live a life that's pleasing to Him? I'll tell you, right here. You live led by the Spirit. Now where's that going to take place? In your mind and heart. Do you understand they're combined in, in, in New Testament thinking? Your heart and your mind are the same. Because He's giving you a new mind, He's giving you a new heart, right? The fact that you even feel bad about the wrong stuff that you do, where did that come from? The Spirit. So the reality, listen to me, the reality is, is there's no condemnation to those who live according to what? The Spirit. See, the reality is if you are living your life trying to please God, if you're living your life in accordance with what He wants, you are going to experience blessing in your life, you say, well, I still sin. Yeah, you're going to sin. Do you understand? You're going to sin because you're still in this body, this flesh. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't, do you understand what I'm saying? Unless, even if you were immobile, maybe I'll just get paralyzed and live for No, give me a break. You're still going to sin. What do you mean? You'll grump at the nurse for not bringing you something on time. Did you understand? So the reality is, is that if, if you saw somebody who was totally focused on living according to their flesh, what do we say about that person? They probably weren't a Christian. Because it's a question of who are they led by. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Who are they led? They're not living, they're living, accor- they're living their life according to what the Spirit guides them, not according to their flesh. Okay, now look with me. Verse 2. Through Jesus, the law of life and the Spirit frees us from the law of sin And death, this is what he's telling us. You and I have been freed from the law of sin and death. We've been freed from that. But that's through Jesus. Through Jesus, the law of life and the Spirit frees us from the law of sin and death. Why? Because the flesh weakened the law, God sent his Son to condemn sin in the flesh. See, the law, just so you understand, here are people all the time, I've mentioned this to you before. I try to live by the Ten Commandments. First of all, they don't know the Ten Commandments, or they make up some. Second thing is, even if you try to live by the ones you make up, are you going to do that perfectly? Nobody can keep the law perfectly. Nobody can keep their own rules. Do you know what I'm saying? We're we're imperfect people, right? We're imperfect. And, And that's because our flesh is weak. Now, Jesus died to fulfill the requirements of the law for us, to condemn sin in the flesh. That's what Paul's telling us here. So here's our benefit. The requirements of the law are met by believers who live according to the Spirit. What? Look with me at verse 4. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. All right, think about that for a moment. 
this you could spend a lot of time here just kind of puzzling through what he's saying here. But so let me just kind of give you a general statement. How many of us have intentionally got up in the morning and said, I am not going to do this today? I am not going to do that. I'm not going to do go here. I'm not going to say this, and I'm not going to see this person. And 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 you have intentionally said, I today's a new day. How'd it go? Barely made it out the door, okay? All right. What were you trying to live according to? Your own flesh. How strong is your flesh? And I'm not talking about weightlifting here. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the most massive bodybuilder that can press whatever, a building, and he could still be weak, right? We can't do it, can we? If we're living according to our own flesh and strength, failure. So what's he saying here? The thing is, is that our focus needs to be different. Our focus needs to be in the morning, maybe spend a few moments with him and say, Lord, today's another day. You guide me today. You help me today. You help me to respond the way I need to respond. You help me to do what I need to do today. Do you know what I'm saying? And you let the Spirit guide you. See, if you let the Spirit guide you, is He going to guide you into fulfillment of the things that you're trying to do on your own? Yeah, of course He would. Now, does that mean you're going to be perfect that day? Oh, I've been led by the Spirit today. I've had no problems, no sin. I'm perfect. No, no, no. You're still human. Do you understand? You're still human, but the way you live your life is different. Do you understand? So that at the end of the day, you say, Lord, I'm trying to live by you. Forgive me for where I went wrong. Thank you that there is no condemnation. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I mean, let's stop for a moment. Think of it in terms of a parent-child relationship. Uh, you know, do you expect perfection from your children immediately when they're born? Do you expect that from them? Go to sleep. I want you to sleep nine hours through the night. Do not wake us up. If you have to go to the bathroom, you hold it. If you're hungry, just wait till six when we get up. Do, do they do that? How many of you have spent many nights in the night? Oh, there's a little one in the back. Many nights in the night getting up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do, do you expect perfection from your children? What makes you think God expects it from you? He knows you're bent. He knows the struggles you have. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? God's not this cosmic killjoy ready to just zap you and smash you because you can't keep up with the standard. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's provided every way for you to live your life through Jesus. To be led by His Spirit rather than by your own ability. Because if you're living by your own ability, man, you are not going to get it. You're not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. So let's continue on here. He's going to contrast what it means to live by the Spirit versus living by the flesh or your body. Verse 5. Look with me at what he says, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. He's going to talk about mental focus here. Those who live according to the flesh put their mental focus on the body's desires. You want to know where you're at? Really, you want to know where you're at spiritually? What are you thinking about? What you living for? Do you know what I'm saying? What are you living for? Is it to satisfy you? And the desires that you have and the lusts that you have and whatever that, you know, is it all about you? Where's your focus? 
That tells you who you're living according. Because if your focus is on you and satisfying you and fulfilling you and, and it's all about you, it's more than just me. Well, okay, me, myself, and I. If it's all about you, you're living according to the flesh. No wonder you're having problems. No wonder you keep de- being defeated. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? No wonder you keep struggling. Those who live according to the flesh put their mental focus on the body's desires. Living according to the spirit means putting your mental focus on what? Spiritual things. Spiritual things. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, I know you told me this. Help me to do this. Lord, you presented this opportunity. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's so many various ways. Here, can I, let me just stop for a moment. Well, how, how do I, how do I get set for the day if I want to have a focus on spiritual things rather than, than, than on my fleshy things? I'll, I'll tell you. Get up and read God's Word. Well, I don't have 30 minutes, George. How about five minutes? How about don't listen to the radio on your way to work or something and talk to Him? Did you know what I'm saying? Instead of singing in the shower, how about praying in the shower? Do you know what I mean? How about, Lord, it's a new day. I want my focus to be... Let me help everybody here. Do not expect that all of a sudden, the first day, everything's going to change. Because it's not. It might take six weeks to where all of a sudden you realize it's a meaningful time, right? To where you need that. Do you know what I'm saying? In fact, isn't that what David says? David says Psalm 119 is a great psalm to read, okay? It's a long psalm, but in the very beginning of it, he says things like this. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. So we want to clean up our lives, right? We want to do, how do we do that? Pay attention to what he's saying. Here's what else David says, a few verses. Your word have I hid in my heart that I, what, might not sin against you. Do you see what I'm saying? To live according to the Spirit means putting your mental focus on what? Spiritual things. Hey, can I can I help you? And and I love music. And I have a family that listens to a wide variety of music. Everything from country to rap to hard rock to something that sounds like screaming. Uh, but, and I enjoy classic rock, but... Here's what I've, I here's what I've got to just tell you. Music's powerful, and I, I've noticed that when I'm listening to classic rock, I don't drive the speed limit, especially if it's Sammy Hager coming on saying I can't drive 55. Did you know what I mean? Think about you got to. How about start the day rather than just be an autopilot and start thinking about it. Set your mind on spiritual things. Did you know what I mean? Set your mind on spiritual things. Now, here's what else he says. The result. Here's what the result is. You can choose to live according to whatever you want to do, and you, and you, and you, or live according to what God is wanting from you. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. When I say that, immediately somebody's going to think, oh yeah, so boring. Living according to what Jesus wants, that's so boring. That's harp time. Get ready for heaven. You have no clue. You have no clue. You don't even know what you're talking about when you say that. Because first of all, the life in the Spirit is not boring. And to know that you interact with the living God, it's not boring. 
So you have no clue. But here's the result. The carnal mind results in death, whereas the spiritual mind results in life. What do you mean death, George? I'm going to die if I focus on myself? Well, ultimately you will, and sometimes focusing on yourself can result in death. But really what it's talking about here as far as death is more of a general principle of dying, of pain, of destruction in your life. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because death comes in many in many ways. Like, okay, let's take a marriage where if all you're doing is focusing on yourself and what you want, what's happening to that marriage, folks? It's going to die. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's going to die. You take that in any relationship. You take that in any area of your life. When it's all about you, all about you, it's going to what? Die. Die. So to be carnally minded, to be focused totally on yourself and what you want and satisfying you results in death. But to be spiritually minded, here's what he says. Life. Brings life. Brings life. Even in the midst of whatever difficult circumstances you're going through. It's life. Let me just tell you, it is amazing to have the God of the universe interact with you, even in the midst of what you're going through, and you have to say, wow, Lord, thank you. Wow. Let's go on. The carnal mind is hostile to God because it is not subject to the law of God. The carnal mind, if you're focused on you and what you want and and satisfying you, you're going to be hostile to anything that God wants you to do. Why? You're going to make, well, that's just going to crimp my style. That's going, you're just wanting me to be miserable. You hear all kinds of things. We can add to it. Why? Because the carnal mind is hostile towards God. Period. Towards the things of God. I don't need to hear that. I don't need to go there. Okay, fine. You just need to realize where you're at. Honesty with yourself is realizing where you're at. So, here's the thing. Those who live according to the flesh cannot please God. Bottom line. If if you want to please God, it ain't going to happen. If you're living according to your own desires and what you want, satisfying you, making sure you're happy, and, and just doing whatever your body wants, and it's all about you, you're never going to please God. Period. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's flat out right in the Bible. Right here in Romans. You cannot please God living according to your own way, according to your own stuff. Period. There's no way. No way. And I know that's not, that's not accepted today, but that's just reality. In fact, what do you mean accepted today? Folks, that's never been accepted. I remember hearing old preachers when I was a young guy saying that. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Nothing's changed. It's either you live for God or you don't live for God. Either led by the Spirit or you're not led by the Spirit. And if you're not led by the Spirit, you're not pleasing God. Period. All right, let me just stop, though. Well, wow, George, we're back to that same thing again. I'm not doing the right stuff, and I feel like... No, no, listen to me. You can be led by the Spirit and still struggle with what? Sin. Does everybody hear that? That's exactly right, Bruce. You can be led by the Spirit and still struggle with what? Because you're led by the Spirit where? With your mind. With your heart. That's where your mental focus is. Is wanting to do what's right and you're still going to struggle with sin. But if your mental focus is totally, doesn't have anything to do with God, 
We see that all around us, don't we? That is not going to please God. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about here. All right, so let's talk about the presence of the Spirit, the assurance of the future. First of all, Paul affirms that his readers are living in the Spirit if the Spirit dwells in them. You're living in the Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit entered into you, you are living in the Spirit. How do you know that? Well, do you ever get convicted when you do wrong? Anybody? you get convicted when you do wrong? Who convicts you? Yeah, the Spirit of God convicts you. Now, if there's no conviction, there's a problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? If there's no conviction, there's a problem. So, Paul affirms his readers are living in the Spirit if the Spirit of God dwells in them. If a person does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Jesus Christ. That's just the bottom line. If the Spirit is not within you, you're not a believer. Period. So then he talks in verse 10 about the Spirit of life. Through Christ, our body is subject to death because of sin, while the Spirit has life. Okay, so bottom line. Do you want to know why you're going to get a new body when you go to heaven? Anybody know why that? You're going to get a new body? Don't get too comfortable with your body now. Some of you are like, oh, I'm not. You know, don't get too comfortable. Because you know, when you go to heaven, you're going to get a new body. Does anybody know why? Our old bodies are corrupt. God, you, do you ever notice when it, when it says in the Old Testament that no one can see God and live? You want to know why you can't see God and live? Yeah, he condemns sin and the sinful, and your body is sinful. Therefore, you can't in your physical body see God. Does everybody understand? So that when you die, you leave, as Peter says, this tabernacle, this tent behind, and you receive a what? A new body. Did you understand? A perfected body. We'll find out what true perfection is when we go to be in heaven. But you leave this body behind. Why? Because it's a body of death. It's a body that causes you and leads you through its desires, through its lusts, into doing wrong things. Do you understand? You can, you have a spirit of life within you. Your soul longs for something because it's been renewed in Christ. But you're inhabiting a body that does wrong. Do you understand? So what Paul's saying here is, is that through Christ, your body's subject to death because of sin, while your spirit has what? Life. Let me just stop for a moment. You know what I'm talking about. What do you mean? Think about the last funeral you went to. Last viewing. And you walked by the casket of your loved one or a friend. And there they were. But you knew. I'm always amazed at this, at a viewing. That's not them. Do you know what I'm saying? You ever, you ever had that thought? That's not them. There's something, they're, they're not there. What, what's missing? The life, the soul, right? Do you know what I'm saying? The, the life. Do, do you understand? All that's left behind is what? The shell. This is what he's talking about, folks. You and I are in, in body, are in shells. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? This is what the Apostle's talking about here. So let's go on now. So, here's what it is. The Spirit who raised Christ from the dead will give life to believers. The Spirit who raised Christ from the dead will give life to believers. 12 through 17, let's look at those verses together and see what he says here. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, 
to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. And heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. Paul tells his readers that they are not indebted to the flesh to live according to the desires. So once again, he's going to say to you, before he said it this way, in chapter 6, that, you, that, that the power of sin does not have control over you. So you're dead to the power of sin. That's chapter 6. Now he gets to chapter 8, and he's going to reiterate the same truth, but in a different way. He's going to tell you that you are not indebted to your bodies. You don't owe your bodies anything. You've got to have a focus there. Do you understand? You don't owe the cravings of your body anything. Period. Well, how do I get control of it, George? You have to discipline your bodies. Okay, I, I, what, if you, what if I told you I'm going to go run a marathon next week? What were your thoughts be about? Some of you are like, oh, that'd be cool, George. Some of you are runners, know better, right? We'll pick you up after the first quarter mile, George. You know what I'm saying? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? How do you get to the place where you run like that? How do you get to the place? Training. You've got to train your body. And, and it's not just getting out there running. You've got to train your body and your mind. Isn't that right, Bruce? Because you do that. Yep. Okay. And you listen to groovy tunes while you're running. It's all part of the, all part of the, you've got to train yourself. You have to train your bodies to get in control. Here, so let me ask you, you know, you, you realize that's the whole purpose of fasting, don't you? Well, fasting is so that I can get something from God. No, no. Fasting is a spiritual discipline, and part of the fasting issue is, is you're bringing your body under control by making the decision not to eat for a period of time. Do you understand? It's, it's showing who's in charge. Because we can allow stuff to become in charge of us, right? We can allow stuff to become in charge of us. And Paul's telling his readers here, you're not indebted to your flesh. You don't owe your body anything, your flesh anything. Living according to the flesh results in death. Man, we know that, right? Now, let me just explain that we're not talking here about hell. We're talking about death. And death takes the faith, not just in physical death, but it can relate be related to everything else. Relational death. Have you noticed that? It's called consequences, right? When you do bad behavior and you give in to the desires of your body and you end up doing bad behavior, there's always going to be what, folks? Consequences and destruction and death, right? Always. So living according to your flesh, your body, results in death. That's what he's saying. We know that. Hello, but we need to be reminded of that. So here's what he says. Living according to the Spirit means putting to death the deeds of the body which bring, which brings life. So when I put to death the deeds of the body, I bring life to myself. What do you mean put to death, George? Do I need to beat myself? No, no. Putting to death means getting control. Getting control of your body. 
disciplining yourself. Now, here's the thing. That's the key word there. Write that down, discipline. You and I have to discipline ourselves because here's what we do, folks. I'm like this. You're like this. We, we, we operate our lives on autopilot. Do you know what I mean? But here's the thing. So because we're in autopilot, we just let our bodies do whatever. Do you know what I mean? So you, you have to make decisions to exercise. You have to make decisions to not just eat whatever. You have to make decisions not to look at this, not go there, not listen to that, not do this, not do that, not talk to this person. You've got to make decisions, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you're an autopilot, you just let it come as it goes. And you do whatever your body wants. And is that good? No, it isn't good. And we bear the consequences of that. Living according to the Spirit means putting to death the deeds of the body, and that brings life. Which brings life? By doing that. You bring life to yourself. So listen, why is it important to be led by the Spirit? Because it evidences something. Here's what it is. Those who are being led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If you are allowing your life to be guided by God, His Spirit, it evidences the fact that you are a son of God. Now how do I know that I can be led by the Spirit? Well, there are two things that you do that you should be doing that will help guide you in being led by the Spirit. What are they, George? Prayer. Are you talking to God? And reading His Word. Reading His Word. Those two things. Right there, God, the Spirit takes both of those things and through that guides your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? He guides your life. He doesn't do this, 6 o'clock in the morning, Hello, get out of bed. This is what I want you to do today. That's not real. But what he does do is he takes your prayer time and he takes the Bible reading that you do and he communicates to you through thoughts, through leadings and guidings, things that you know you should be doing. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's the leading of the Spirit in your life. It's through the still, small voice of God. Not through the spectacular in fact, we're going to go on to Romans chapter 12 here in a few weeks, and we're going to see here that you and I are not to be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? By reading God's Word. So that you are able to prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you want to know what the will of God is for your life? We all do, right? How do you prove that? Renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? God's Word. God's Word. It's not that hard. It's not that mysterious. So those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Believers are not enslaved to fear, but rather have an intimate relationship with God. Now listen, this is what I want you to understand. This goes back to the Romans chapter 7 thing. When you're struggling and you're giving in to what you know you shouldn't be doing instead of doing what you know you should be doing, remember I told you how you're feeling during that? One of the things that dominates you during that time is fear. Fear. You're afraid of God. You're afraid of His heavy hand upon you. In fact, here's what happens when you're living in that fear, when the normal stuff that happens in life happens, like all of a sudden you got a flat tire, 
at the stoplight across from sheets coming out of Walmart and everybody's backed up behind you and, and you can't get the car to go anymore, you start thinking this, this is because I wasn't doing right. Is that what we do? Why do we do that? Because we live in what? Fear. We live in fear. Listen, you don't need to be enslaved to fear. If you belong to God, His Holy Spirit's within you, and you are being led by His Spirit, even though your body wants to do other things and you give in to that, listen to me, you have an intimate relationship with God. How do I know that? Because look at what he says there. You can cry out to Him, Abba, Father. What does that mean, George? Abba. I know what Abba was. That was a group from the 70s with good music. What, what does Abba mean? Okay, here's what Abba means. It's a Greek word meaning, are you ready for this? Daddy. Daddy. That's a pretty intimate term, isn't it? So when I'm talking to you, I'll say, hey, hey, how's your, how, how's your dad or how's your father doing? But when my kids call me, they, they don't say, hey, dad or father. My kids call me daddy. Did you, know, did you understand what I'm saying? And, and that's an intimate term. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? There's an intimacy there. What is he stressing here? You can go to God. How many of you have ever done this? Probably not a lot of you, but I'm encouraging you to do this. You can go to him and say to him, Daddy, isn't that disrespectful? How is that disrespectful when he's just said you can go to him and call him that? You can go to God the Father and call him by the most intimate term that I know of for me, and that's to call him what? Daddy, do you really need to live in fear when you know that you can call him daddy? Here's the thing. My kids know that if they mess up, I'm going to be upset. And that there will be consequences to bear for the stuff they do. But here's what they should not ever wrestle with, is whether or not dad or mom love them. Did you understand what I'm saying? They should never come to that conclusion. And so here's the thing. You think of your relationship with God in those terms. You don't live to need to live in fear. You need to be able to go to him and say to him what? Daddy. Do you understand? You have an intimate relationship, but rather have an intimate relationship with God. Here's what I want you to see here. The Spirit assures believers that they are the children of God. Do you ever wonder about that sometimes? Am I truly a believer? Am I truly a, you ever, even even at thirty years of age, thirty years in Christ, sometimes those thoughts enter into my mind. Really? Yeah. They'll enter into your mind. But guess who tells you you are? It ain't grandmama. Grandma doesn't know. Well, grandma's there when I pray. That praying a prayer doesn't save you. Does everybody understand me? What saves you is your faith in Jesus Christ. And who gives you the assurance of your salvation. It's not me. It's not anybody else. It's purely, right here it says it, who gives you the assurance, that who testifies to you that you are a child of God? Anybody who does that? The Spirit. That's so awesome, isn't it? Because the enemy will come to you and say, you can't be a good Christian the way that you're acting. Isn't that what he does? And some of you are like, well, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe maybe I'm not. No! Spirit bears witness that you are. And here's the final thing. As children, believers are also heirs with Christ as they suffer with him and are glorified. We're heirs with him. What does that mean? We have something so much better that's coming. We're heirs with him. Do you understand? 
Wow, doesn't that give you encouragement? Doesn't that not give you encouragement about the struggles that we have? There's no condemnation. We are the children of God. So what do you do with that? You just move on. You move on and you keep living your life for Jesus. I'm not sure about that, George. Well, think about this. Here's another apostle, John, 1 John, chapter 2. My little children, I ran unto you that you sin not. But if you sin, you have an advocate. Jesus Christ the righteous. Who is what? The propitiation for your sins. That's so awesome. We're done with our lesson up to this point.